Amen. Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to those who are online. A reminder, we have a third service immediately after this. We start at 1140. And if you are a person who is like, uh, this, this crowd feels a little full to me, then we encourage you to come to the 1140 service and also make room for more people to come into this service. Um, we've been doing a series called uh, Saul Paul. And it's the idea of con Saul's conversion coming to a place where he now understands and has a relationship with Christ and what that realizes and unfolds for us. And so the very first week, what we asked you to think about was, what is your story? How do you know that you became a Christian, a follower of Jesus? And then the second week, what we asked was, how do you come to a place where you realize that, that God has changed you to where you're going to live for him from now and forever? So as we unpack that, and as we're thinking about that, the, really what we're asking ourselves is, how do you know that your faith is real? And then how do you know how to share what you know? Well, maybe you're thinking, I don't really know if I'm a, like a Paul, but I, I know I'm supposed to do what and share my faith, right? So let's look at the story of Acts 9, verses 17 through 19. Here's what it says. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, if followers are supposed to share what they know, we talk about that all the time. Our mission statement is we are followers that make followers of Jesus. And one of the main elements of that is followers share what they know. We talk about that all the time. If you are to share what you know, then you are to, what you're doing is you're sharing what God has done in your life. And this should be freeing. But a lot of times we sit there and go, this doesn't feel freeing to me. This feels like cumbersome and it feels like a task. Can anybody relate to that? How do we know how to live for Christ? A couple real important things here. Ananias, when he was sent to go help Saul know how to become a Christian, addressed Saul as Brother Saul. Before he became a Christian, he addressed him as Brother Saul. Now, if you grew up in the South, like I did, although I grew up in Texas, which is not technically the South, just want to make that clear. Um, as you grew up, a lot of the times when you go to the small churches, they'd go, hello, Brother Daniel. And it wasn't even a pastor. It was like every man in the church was brother and every woman in the church was sister. Now, that's a little different than what we do this things in the Midwest, but that was a way to say, I recognize that you are a fellow brother with Christ being the Father, with God the Father being in our control of our life. Does that make sense? And so this is the same idea here. Paul is being told he is now a brother. Ananias, in faith, believes that the Holy Spirit is doing something great in his life. That's key. When was the last time that you had that understanding? When was the last time that you came around and you thought to myself, how is God going to use me? When was the last time that you sat there and you thought that person down the road who's annoying you, that guy at work who's struggling, that person on the internet who just drives you crazy, which I would say you don't have to be on the internet for that. But all these things, when you're sitting here looking, how do I love them? It's by allowing the Holy Spirit to allow you to see that God can use you to help them know that they were made in the image of God. It does several things for us. It, first of all, it softens our attitude and our heart. 
and then it attunes us into the fact that they were made in the imagio dei, the image of God, and that they are as not a male or a female created on this earth that wasn't made with the intention of having a relationship with God. That is super, super important. So how do we get to the place? Well, it says, Brother Saul, he said, then Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, Ananias knew that it was very important for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew that that was a key thing. He wanted him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So as a believer, when you become a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit, we believe, comes upon you. Now, a lot of times that sounds scary, and we're like, what does that look like? And, and here's what I would say to that. We have to be open to the, what the Spirit's leading, and we do that by after we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is within us, and we are called to cultivate our ability to discern where the Holy Spirit is leading us. Cultivate's the key word here. We have to cultivate the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. So let's explain it like this. As I become a follower of Jesus, I'm following Jesus. But there's something we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are three different essences of one God. We serve one God who is in three different essences, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We chase after Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit in us that reminds us to look to Jesus as our example as we follow the Father. Now, this is a little bit confusing, and I understand that. So if you want to know more and don't know more, there's a thing called Discovering Calvary Tonight, which we're teaching. And I you invite you to come, and we'd be glad to talk to you more about that, or, or find Drew at the Next Step space, or find me later on, and we'd love to have that conversation with you over a lunch or a Zoom call or whatever's appropriate to help you understand that, because this is a key foundational understanding in how you grow in Christ. You have to understand how these three essences of God work together so that you might grow in that. But... Here's the basic idea. I have a light in me, and I have to take off whatever darkens and covers that light to allow that light to illuminate me as a follower of Christ so that I might grow and grow closer to God. Another way we explain it is the idea of cultivating is to use the farmer illustration, right? I'm planting the crops, but I've got to pull out the weeds to allow the crops, the crops to grow. And that's the idea of cultivating here. We're allowing God's power. And as we do that, we learn how to listen. We learn how to discern. And he guides and he navigates our, our life and our path. And ultimately what that learns is um, we learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. But we have to learn that. We have to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit, not only for us, but for other people. So how do you do that? Well, we have the follower statements, and this is the place where I want you to understand why we have all these different things. We have the follower statements that help you know. This, the, the follower statements that are on the wall above the bathrooms are kind of like the effect. It's how you know that you're following Christ. But the cause, the way that you get to a place where you know how to do those things is in the discipleship pathway. So the discipleship pathway around here, there's different churches have different ways of saying it. Here's how we describe the discipleship pathway. And discipleship means learner. It is a learning pathway. So we, there's three things. The first step is learning. And so we challenge you to learn, to, to take on sermons and podcasts and scripture reading and worship. We want you to do that. And this exists not as just an academic tool, but as a necessity to teach us 
what it looks like to walk with Christ. You have to learn. So when we come and we hear a sermon, it should challenge us. It should prick our hearts, and we should bleed in our spirit. We should long to become more and more like Christ. And then we manifest that out in the training. The training habits include things like prayer, scripture reading, fast, silence, solitude, simplicity, etc. If you want a great book to challenge you in that, I encourage you to look at Richard Foster's um, book on spiritual disciplines. It will challenge you. It's a really hard book. It is a classic. It's been printed and printed and printed. It's really good. Richard Foster's book on spiritual disciplines. And then all of that cultivates, by the way, at the end of our sermons, which is learning, we give you a daily training which is a way to practice it, right? Because it's cultivating what God wants you to do. And then we practice this in community through small groups, through training and equipping classes, through accountability, et cetera, et cetera. Why is that so important? Because the body needs each other. The body needs each other. And so this is why we gather. We gather to give God the glory. We gather to give God the praise. But we also gather to, to draw closer as a body, functioning as one, as we help build up his kingdom. And as we do that, it, it, it takes away this idea of being selfish and comes back to a place where we're willing to say, okay, God, whatever this takes, whatever this looks like, I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to live for you so that I not only draw closer to you, but as a result of that, the natural inclination of my heart is to share what I know. This is how you know the Holy Spirit is functioning and thriving in your life. You drawn to growing in Christ, and you're drawn as a natural outflowing of that to share. Now, here's where we get off target. I, through the years, have been trained in a lot of things. A lot of things, especially in evangelism. I've grown up in church. Now, evangelism means to share the good news. And we've so misaligned that word that for some people, when you say that word, their hair stands up they're on their neck. They, they start going like in fetal position and like, oh, no, they're going to ask me to do something very uncomfortable. We think of like eating broccoli for dinner. I mean, it's the same kind of ideas that you're, some of you love broccoli. I'm sorry for you. But the idea of all of that, you know, we're sitting here going, okay, what does this look like? How does this unfold in my life? And, and I would encourage you to understand the fact that you are not necessarily called to be Paul, but you are called to be Ananias. And out of the natural understanding of what it means to follow Christ, there should come a desire to share your faith. But we have to listen to the Holy Spirit in order to do that. So how do we follow and listen to the Holy Spirit? Come back in October, because that's the whole month. But in the meantime, here's the goal of this sermon. To take the pressure and the discomfort of sharing what you know, the guilt and the shame, and to make it a natural expression of how we can practice basic things to use the way that God has made you to share what you know. So if you're feeling really tense right now, Relax. I've been trained in evangelism explosion, one verse evangelism, circle, Romans 6.23, um, all these things, all these different Roman road and all these things. And what I would tell you is I've never really desired to share like a true person with a spiritual gift of evangelism. And I'm a pastor. But I have desired to share when I get excited about what God is doing. 
And that's what we're called to do. Let me be very clear with that. That is what we're all called to do. So it's not only listening to it, but we have to be faithful to do what the Holy Spirit asks. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to push us. Let's look at the story, Acts 9, 10 through 16. This is going back a little before he goes and talks to Saul. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And he said, here am I, Lord. Now that's me. I'm excited. If, if I feel like God's talking to me, I'm like, woohoo, here I am, right? Get up and go to the street called Straight. And the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Uh, Lord, Ananias answered, and I'm sure there's like a, a timeout, you know, like, do you run? Wait, wait. I, I have heard from this many people about this man, how much harm he has done to you and your saints in Jerusalem, and how he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. It's like he's telling God, like, God doesn't know that, right? That's hilarious. The Bible is funny if you really know how to read it. Um, but the Lord said, go for this man is my chosen instrument. Take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites, and I will show him how he must suffer for my name. You want me to go to that person? <laughs> God, do you know that person's bad? You want me to go to that person? I don't, that's, that might cost me something. And, and so he challenges us. The one way that you know you're walking with the Holy Spirit is it's going to challenge you and push you outside of your comfort zone while still using the natural ability that you have and ultimately culminating in you sharing what you know. But as you who you are. So, let me just say this again. It's okay if you're not a Saul or a Paul. But God still wants to use you. And in the course of realizing that maybe, just maybe, you're like an Ananias, maybe you're going to be the person who over the next year, God is going to cultivate in your heart a deep desire to reach out to a relative, a co-worker, the kid in school. And that person, in turn, is going to become a pastor or a missionary or a person who helps their factory turn into a house of worship or the kid at school who helps see his whole fourth grade be the awesomest fourth grade in the school because they're all praising Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, God's going to use you to help someone come to Christ that will then have a child someday that will grow up and follow Christ and will change the world. Maybe this is our calling. And he wants to do it by making you and using your gifts and abilities and weaknesses. So how do we share what we know? You, we just said it. You use your strengths with others, to share with others. I told you all ago, I, I'm not a natural evangelist, and let me explain what that means. There are spiritual gifts. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, the Bible says that you have spiritual giftedness that the Holy Spirit does in your life. We're going to be sharing with you later in this week, we're going to, we might even get it up in the live stream this service, of the spiritual gifts inventory that you can take. There's a lot of bad ones out there, so can you just kind of listen to us, and we'll try to give you a good one, Okay. Now, when you take that spiritual gifts inventory, what you're going to find is you have natural strengths. Uh, what are your strengths? 
Well, my strengths may not be um, mercy, but maybe it is yours. Some of you are like, Daniel, you're a pastor. You don't have the spiritual giftedness of mercy? No. Not at all. In fact, when I take the spiritual gift inventory, it's usually the lowest score I have on my, head, on my, my thing. And you're sitting there going, well, I, how am I supposed to? But you seem like sometimes that you have a little gift of mercy. Let me just tell you something real quick. If you think I have the gift of mercy, that is a testimony to the power of what the Holy Spirit can do in a person. A to the men. But I also don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. But you're a pastor, right? It doesn't mean I don't share my faith. So what are you good at? Well, when I take the spiritual gift inventory test, it usually says I'm a decent teacher. You can tell me later whether, don't tell me, okay, whether or not that's true or not. But I have the ability to somehow be very comfortable standing up in front of a room of a thousand people and it not bother me. Now, I might want to throw up right beforehand, but once I'm on stage, I'm fine. And I think that's, that's not everybody's calling. And some of you are like, you would rather crawl in a fetal position than to, to have that be your job, to stand up. Good, that's not your calling. But you're still called to share. So what are some of the different examples of how we might, maybe you are the person of mercy, and you can love people that everybody else has a hard time loving. Amen. What a gift. What about if you have the spiritual gift of hospitality? <laughs> That's me. Can I pick out the fall decorations too? Knock your heart out, right? I mean, make Hobby Lobby broke by going out and buying all that stuff. And, and what you can do is you can sit there. Maybe I'm not the, I don't have the gift to teach the small group, but I can host. And so you're going to go to Drew and go, find me a teacher, and I'm going to make sure that everybody who comes feels loved and welcomed. And when they're not there, I'm going to be like, we missed you. And I'm going to go, that's the gift of hospitality. Let's use it. Right? Or maybe you do have the gift of teaching. And you're willing to help teach in the fourth grade Sunday school class, which we don't call Sunday school around here, in the small group of a kid's ministry. Or maybe you're going to help teach a, a, a kid's ministry, and you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to grow. But I don't know enough about the Bible. I know. We're going to help you grow and nurture that natural gift. We're going to use your strengths to help build up the kingdom of God. We're also not going to just use your strengths, though. We want to use your weaknesses. We're going to use your weaknesses. There's a right time and a right place for everything. And sometimes God wants to challenge you in your weaknesses to help others grow. What do I mean? Well, I've already told you that I don't necessarily have the gift of evangelism, but you know what I do? I share my faith. But you said you didn't have the giftedness of it either. Right. I also don't have the giftedness to replace my faucet, but I did that this week. No, uh, let me say that again. I often don't, also don't have the gift to, uh, of doing household stuff, but I replaced my faucet this week. <laughs> don't ask me how long it took. But the reality is sometimes you have to push yourself outside of that comfort zone and use your weaknesses to help point others to the fact that God is still good. It, it, this is important as a body of believers because we all have different strengths and we all have different weaknesses. And when they come together, they help us strong. And this is why we need each other because there's times when people are struggling. There's times where people who have gone through addiction need to lean into people who have gone through addiction and they're going to use the fact that they went through addiction to help them through it. That's called celebrate recovery. 
And yes, I know Celebrate Recovery helps people with more than just addiction, but that's one example. Sometimes you need to be able to say, I, I, I'm struggling with this, or, or we need to help our, our brothers and sisters who may be struggling, or, or, or if our, our black brothers and sisters are struggling, we need to walk beside them, or if, if the world is sitting here going and the widows need help, well, we need to help them because we are a body who sees and believes that people were made in the image of God, and so we use all of us, our strengths and our weaknesses, to help others see the power of what God is doing in our lives. Are you open to doing that? So we have to use our strengths and our weaknesses. And sometimes the way that that rounds itself out and helps us to, to know how to do that is we begin by finding our common ground with others. What do I have in common with them? Far more than you realize. This world will teach you to find people who look like you, walk like you, talk like you, are in your same class, make the same income, and own, don't associate with other people. They'll teach you to wear uh, labels, whether that is a political label, whether that is an old man label, testify, or middle-aged label, or whatever it might be. They'll tell you to wear a title. They'll tell you to, and it's all an attempt to find what's different about us and help us to find people to relate to. But do you realize that there's not a person on this planet that you aren't more alike than you are more unalike? In fact, statistics show that about 96 to 99, I read two different articles. One said 96%, one said 99% of all human characteristics are the same. Somebody can tell me which one's right later. Because I don't have the gift of science. But through all of that, when you find common ground, you begin to see how they're made in the image of God. So how do we do that? What are your hobbies? Do you like golf? Do you like gathering with people at 6 a.m. and doing Bible studies? Listen to me. I thought I was a morning person until I found this staff. I am not a morning person compared to the staff. And they like to do weird things like get up early and like have Bible studies at really early. And I think that's holy and awesome. And I'm going to pray for them when I wake up. <laughs> Amen. So maybe you're the morning person, and that's your giftedness, and you're willing to do a Bible study at 6 a.m. Go for it. You're using your commonality of being a person who likes the morning, which isn't necessarily a strength for us all, right? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? What are your similar attributes? What, what will help translate another person's world into realizing that they are in need of the same God that you follow? And so it's not just the fact that you run into people all the time who are angry. And if nothing else you have in common, to, well, we're in the same place at the same time. So maybe God's put them. And so we're praying and we're going to learn how to listen more and more to the Holy Spirit in October. But we're going to pray that God opens our eyes and we're going to use our strengths and we're going to use our weaknesses and we're going to find out how to relate to people so that in the right moment, we can help others see what Jesus has done for us. Did you hear the part where this shouldn't feel like overwhelming? But at the core of it, it should feel exciting yet challenging. So 
we have all different strengths and abilities. Is there anything that we should look for in the commonality of how we know how to do effective sharing of what we know? Yes. Ed Stetzer says the following three things are necessary every single time that evangelism is done well in our culture. Evangelism, once again, is sharing the good news of Jesus. This is not on a slide. Take your notes carefully. The very first one is authenticity. You got to be real. You know why some of those tools don't work? Tools are important, right? Just the same reason, like, I don't want to screw in a screw with my hand. I'd rather use a screwdriver and I'd rather use a drill because the drill is probably more effective than the screwdriver in most guys' hands, right? And so that's the reality of what we're trying to do. We're trying to be authentic. We're, we're saying, be you, but we use these tools to help you be you to share the faith. But be authentic. And then after you're authentic, be vulnerable. Vulnerable says, I've got to share the fact that my life isn't always together, and that can be scary because I don't really want the whole world to know, and you aren't supposed to go. There's a balance there. Some of us struggle telling our spouses we love them. You struggle with vulnerability. If you struggle with that, then let me encourage you, learn to share your feelings and emotions. All the men in the room went, oh. All the women went, Yes! But here's the caution. Vulnerability is also not vomiting. We talk about that a lot too. Vulnerability is not saying, I'm a mess, my life will never be together. Or gossip. Or it's the middle. So find the vulnerability that shares your weaknesses, shares your vulnerabilities with others for the purpose of helping them draw closer to God. Every effective evangelism shares their story, and part of your story is your mess. So you got to be authentic, you got to be vulnerable, and you got to have depth. Depth challenges us to come to new heights. It's one thing to share, this was my life as a mess, and you stay there. Depth says, I'm not going to stay there. It allows the roots of our heart to grow deep. It allows them to plant in fertile soil. There's depth there that allows me to grow up here and out here. As God begins to work, there's depth that we want. I don't want the church to grow shallow and have everybody here and, and we provide a tool and a resource and everybody goes, whoa, this is awesome. And then we sit there and go, yeah, but no one really knows Jesus. Depth challenges us to grow closer to him day by day by day. So where are we going with all this? Well, two weeks ago, we asked you to share or write down your story from what your life was looked like when you came to know Christ. It's the way that you know you have a genuine relationship with Christ. It wasn't just going to church, but it's the fact that God came in. You recognized that you were in need of a Savior. You recognized that you were a sinner, that Jesus died for you, and you asked him into your life as a real, having a relationship. Just like when you get married, you say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. It's not something you do once and forget about it. You live with that person. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Last week, we asked you, once you enter that relationship, your life changes. Once I got married, my life was different than as a bachelor, right? We actually had food. It was awesome. And so there's all these different things that other ways it changed, too. It, our life changed. And this is what we should do as followers. Our life should be made more and more. And then finally, what we're going to come to the place is we're going to share that with others. So here's this week's daily training. We want you to share your story as the Spirit leads. And we're going to do that by asking you to do a little challenge that Jeff in a few minutes is going to talk about at the end. It's called the Saul Ball Challenge. Saul the Paul, Saul Paul Ball Challenge. Well, that's hard to say. They want it to be Saul Paul Fall Ball Challenge. I was like, that's too many words. 
saw Paul challenged. And you say, Daniel, you just said that all the tools aren't necessarily good. The tools are a training tool to help us learn to make sure that we're asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. We're not looking to literally put a ball in a bucket. We're looking for the Holy Spirit to prompt us. And a fun little expression of this is the Saul Paul ball challenge that the Holy Spirit would challenge us so we can do our part for the bigger kingdom. And then our hope is as these balls go in the bucket, you're going to see the kingdom being shared. It'll be encouragement. That makes sense? So as we go, here's the ultimate results. Acts 9.31, after Saul became a Christian. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers because healthy things grow. And if you're healthy in your faith with Christ, you're going to want to share it. So here's what I would encourage you. Be authentic. Wrestle with it. Don't sit there and go, but I'm not a natural evangelist. Ask God to show you how to share with one person. One person. And if you don't know Jesus, please accept him. We are here to show you how good and faithful and kind he is. We'd love to walk you with that. Uh, You can stop by the next step space on the way out. You can look us up online and figure out a way to connect with us. We'd love for us to do that. But let's allow God to do something amazing in our life today. God, we ask that you move and breathe in us. Show us what it means to be a follower of you in every way. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the faithfulness of someone who led us to Christ. That someone was obedient enough to show us how good you are whether that was a parent or a distant relative, a pastor or a friend. God, thank you for their faithfulness. And then through that, may we be faithful so that people might know that you are good and holy and kind, just holy, amazing and awesome, and the way maker of our life. In your holy name we pray.